All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Ryan Selkis, and you're listening to Masari's Unqualified Opinions, where each week I interview crypto's top builders, investors, and personalities to discuss the key trends in the industry. You can discover more about Masari at masari.io. But for now, let's get right into the episode. It's going to be a good one. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the top blockchain events and media production companies I've worked with. For exclusive content and events that could help you with insight into the crypto and blockchain space, check them out at blockworksgroup.io and you will not be disappointed. Welcome back to Masari's Unqualified Opinions. I'm Ryan Selkis at 2BitIdiot. Have another great show today. Uh, a live one. We haven't done a live one in a while with Alex the Machine Mashinsky, <laughs> as he was bragging about. Uh, his, his, his illustrious name. It is a great last name and it's a perfect nickname. Um, but Alex is the co-founder and CEO of Celsius Network. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about crypto lending, um, all about the uh, progress of, of the protocol, the evolution, in particular, as one of the early ICOs that has actually, we'd argue, delivered value uh, to, to some of its users. And um, it can be a wide-ranging conversation uh, from from there, but uh, but certainly you know a lot to get started with. Um, Alex, we always start out by just better understanding the the origin story of the folks that um, come on the show, and and would love to just hear how we got to this point right now. How you came uh, from your your previous background, a serial entrepreneur. Um, to start something in the wild west of crypto, and in particular, crypto lending, which really was non-existent a couple of years ago when you first got into the space. So sure. Walk us through that path. Sure. So um, I was born in the Ukraine. I grew up in Israel. Uh, I was lucky to come to the United States right before kind of the internet was born or uh, became publicly available. So I got to work on in the late 80s and early 90s on all of the stuff that today is like, you know, considered norm. And in uh, 93, 94, I, I had this revelation that everything is gonna run on TCP IP. So while other people were betting on ATM and on ethernet and a bunch of other protocols, I was like, no, it's all gonna be on the internet. And back then, the whole internet was just a dial-up network on the phone network, right? Mm -hmm. So. So I wrote the original uh, protocols and and uh, uh, built the first uh, VoIP gateway, Voice over IP, mm -hmm. uh, while other people built Voice over Ethernet and Voice over ATM and so on. And Luke is lucky enough to get AT&T and a few other people as customers. Built a company that eventually went public. Was worth uh, was it became a unicorn. Uh, and uh, so I thought that's what everybody gets when they come to the United States, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, this was in my 20s, and uh, so I did seven startups as a f serial founder. Um, and uh, my last gig uh, that I left to kind of come and do crypto was running a public company, Novotel Wireless, with 1,500 employees or 400 people, mm -hmm. uh, all, uh, 400 million in revenues, and, and built, launched the first 5G device in the United States, the My5 mm -hmm. uh, for Verizon. And, um, um, and crypto really, you know, one of my employees uh, showed me the Satoshi's paper in 2009, 2010, and I kind of looked at the technology and I said, it, it can scale. Like I did the math, you, you're not, you don't have enough electricity in the, on the entire planet to mine the last Bitcoin, you know? Mm -hmm. So I totally discounted it as a, okay, it's just no one's gonna use that, you know? And after Mangox, I realized I was totally wrong because when I saw the community just dust off 
an exchange blowing up with 90% of all the volume and just keep walking. I was like, there is something much deeper here. I'm mm-hmm. missing something big. So so I got involved. I, I, I played with t- coins. I advised a bunch of ICOs and, and things like that and um, sold coins, bought coins. Like if I just sat on my hands, I would be doing much better. But mm-hmm. um, And uh, watching the industry evolve, <clears throat> realize that I think uh, we're all going in the wrong direction, right? And I said, I'm going to quit everything I'm doing and jump in and try to show the what is the right path. So, and and for me, the right path is, again, acting in the users, in the depositors' best interests. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I think if you look at the collection of companies that we created, all these 3,000 ICOs plus the hundreds of companies that got funded by VCs that spent 16 or 17 billion dollars, all of them effectively are toll collectors. So they're mm-hmm. all they're all just like a bank or just like a financial institution, trying to take as much as possible from the people who give them assets, uh, instead of acting in the best interest of of the community and by doing that enlarging the community. So mm-hmm. in my view, the only way we get to have a billion people join us in the on the blockchain. In, in the crypto world is if we act, if we do stuff for them that they cannot get anywhere else. So that's for me the killer app of the blockchain. Well, uh, I, I agree in part. Long with answer. This, right? Well, no, I, I agree in part with, with what you mentioned uh, kind of in conclusion. And, and that is, um, yes, some of the major infrastructure companies are told collectors. But, you know, before people can meaningfully participate in crypto, you need those picks and shovels businesses. Otherwise, yeah. it, it, it becomes very hard to, to interact with the tech and the assets. Um, and you know, most people, like the dirty little secret even within the industry is, you know, yes, you're supposed to like control your own keys while most people use third-party custodians. Yes, you're supposed to not keep uh, your assets on exchanges. Everybody uses them anyway, right, for, for, yes. for where they keep deposits. So um, to, to a certain extent, it makes sense. Now, where I do agree with you is on the ICO front because not every crypto asset should have a monetary premium. Not every crypto asset should be trading as if it's a complement to Bitcoin. And the same is true for um, any you know, asset in a given sub-vertical uh, that might be more appropriate to compare to a security or might be more uh, appropriate to compare to um, a commodity in the in the event of you know a, a protocol like like Ethereum, which has kind of these dual properties of commodity currency, um, there are a handful of decentralized lending platforms, and, and really crypto lending just took off in the last couple of years outside of margin trading. Um, what was it in particular about the lending market that you thought um, made sense to build on chain versus? maybe the simpler version, which is just creating a centralized lending infrastructure, and then maybe later working on the decentralized component because the institutional need was was arguably much, much greater. Um, and you were you were around the same around the same time as uh, some of the other major lending desks were really coming to market between Genesis and galaxy and 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 the like. Um, the choice is interesting because it almost seems like you're adding a degree of difficulty to throw a token into the mix. You know, create this like peer-to-peer system instead of um, starting big ticket and then ultimately you yes. know, working your way down. What what drove that decision making? So you're right. I mean, you had the companies you mentioned, plus uh, Salt and BlockFi, that gave you essentially margin borrow, right? The, but mm-hmm. they charged you 18 to 24 percent, 
and they kept all that profit. They didn't give any of it back to anybody else, right? So, so again, it looked just like Fidelity or just like uh, Charles Schwab, right? Mm-hmm. So, what I was trying to do is basically create a new business. And the new business Celsius created that did not exist mm-hmm. was interest income. Simple interest income, which is disappearing from this world, mm-hmm. right? You go to Asia, you go to Europe, it's already negative rates. Even the United States in a few years, I live in the future all by myself, and over there, it's already negative rates. It's just, you know, most of us have not gotten there yet. So in that world of negative rates, what does the average Joe do? How mm-hmm. do they get their kids through retirement, right? They they don't have money to put into uh, the stock market and so on. So, so I think... The only way to pay interest income to 7 billion people is through the blockchain. That was my kind of like moment of, okay, that's what I'm going to build. How do we deliver interest income? Well, let's rehypothecate the assets. Let's create income from institutions that today, like if you buy GBTC, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Genesis then lends those coins out, right? You get nothing for it, right? They make a huge return on those coins. They don't share anything with you. Just like... When you buy Facebook from Fidelity, Fidelity rehypothecates the assets. That's how they can afford to not charge you anything to buy the Facebook stock because they make all their money on rehypothecation. So we copied the sec lending business model into crypto, but we gave 80% of the income back to the uh, coin holders. Mm-hmm. And so that was the innovation, right? And then... The lending part is the same. We are competing with Genesis, we're competing with Galaxy, we're competing with a bunch of other people. But because we're giving so much back to the users, the users said, hey, of course, we'll use Celsius. So, And then we also enabled what BlockFi and, and Salt did in front of, uh, ahead of us, mm-hmm. but we did that at 5 6 7% per year instead of at 24%. Again, acting in the best interest of the user so they don't sell their coins, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being a toll collector, charging as much as possible. Um, so one one clarification there: uh, the the I do not believe the Genesis is, is lending against the Bitcoin Investment Trust assets because those are two separately managed companies. Um, it's a trust, and if you read the details on the trust, you can ask them this question. I would be very very surprised uh, if if that I, if, if I, that were true. It would be great to have an answer. I what I know, I know that they have a book. Yeah. Just like Galaxy and others. Well, Genesis certainly does, but Genesis and Grayscale uh, are, are, are certainly two distinct entities. Okay, we'll, 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 I might be wrong on that. I, uh, but th- but my point is, none of these people pay back sure, their uh, the exchanges that, that use your coins as well to create markets mm-hmm. and everything else don't pay anything back from what they... The, 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 the gist is true. I just didn't want anyone yelling at me on yeah, yeah. Not that it would be the first time. Um, but the the more important kind of follow up there that, that I do want to touch on is the 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 actual use of the token, right? And 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 the rollout of, of the token. Um, so you completed your initial sale in late March 2018. Or, yeah. Okay, early early 2018. Um, and at that point, the market was starting to cool off. The SEC was starting to um, get a, a little bit more assertive, um, particularly with U.S. teams uh, as to how they they rolled these systems out. Um, and, and I'd imagine there was a, a decision point for, for you and your colleagues whether to um, reverse that transaction um, or, or, you know, if there was any pressure from the SEC or uh, and, and basically just focus on the, the centralized, you know, uh, lending platform and, and maybe revisit later once it was a bit more regulatory uh, clarity um, or 
forge ahead. And, and clearly, you all chose the latter. Um, what, um, what, if anything, can you share about the kind of legal compliance elements of, of how you thought through the structure of this um, so that it gave you comfort? You're in the clear here. You know, we're, we're doing something that's in the best interest of these token holders and allowing them to, to earn this income, but it's not a security. So we don't have to um, worry about, you know, getting into any hot water with the SEC, which for many teams is, is maybe the, the, the number one most alarming concern that they have sure. on a day-to-day -day basis. So, uh, you know, like I'm in my 50s, I have six kids at home. I, I couldn't really afford to have a, a, a major, uh, you know, Stint in jail. Yeah, stint in jail. <laughs> uh, so we decided to treat it as if it's a security. We mm -hmm. said, okay, what do we need? To, let's say that we're completely wrong mm -hmm. and this thing is a security. What do we mm -hmm. need to do? Okay, we need to file a Reg D. We need to file register with FinCEN. So we went ahead and did all those things. Mm -hmm. So we are one of the very few ICOs, I don't even know anybody else, that, that upfront from day one said full KYC, full AML, uh, Reg D, FinCEN, and every other registration that is necessary all over the world mm -hmm. to stay compliant as if you are a security. So, and, and that really saved us a lot down the line because when everybody else starts switching into that, mm -hmm. they start losing users where we just gained users. We haven't had, I think, a single day where we had more withdrawals than deposits. Mm -hmm. So, so um now, we have a huge barrier to entry. We require your identification. We require your social security number. We have, we're asking you crazy questions that most people will be like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to lose. Yes, we do. We lose 70% of users who come to register, mm -hmm. right? But uh, you want a basket that only has good apples in it, right? Mm -hmm. And part of what you have to pay for that is to make sure that, that again, if you're managing, going to manage people, money for people, uh, any bad apple in there because of AML or because of KYC or because of, uh, you know, SEC issues um, is it, just going to ruin your entire business. So when you think long term, that mm -hmm. is not, it's not a problem. It's an opportunity. When you think short term, then it's a problem. You had all of your ducks in a row to think as if this could be a, a security, but yet you forged ahead without going the Reg A plus route, for instance. Um, has there been uh, any ongoing discussion? Do you have more clarity today than, than you did a year and a half ago or two years ago with, with the SEC um, as to how they're thinking about you know, reviewing or, or monitoring uh, a system like Celsius on an ongoing basis? Because um, there's really only been one or two successful Reg A plus offerings right now. It's, a, it's a, an immense burden from a legal and and um, just time and, and cost standpoints. Um, it's very hit or miss as to whether the SEC will ultimately bless any given Reg A plus offering in, over any given time period. So you can make the argument that the much uh, more practical thing to do is let's act as if this is a security, but we're going to push the envelope and, and make the argument that this is a token and we're not actually um, tripping the, all the prongs of the Howey test. Um, is that... Is is that still the focus for you, do, or or do you see a path forward where ultimately tokens like Celsius um, might be able to trade on regulated securities exchanges as well as the crypto exchanges you're, you're currently working? Yeah, so, so I think today it's a binary decision, right? You're mm -hmm. either this or that. I think 
as the market uh, um, normalizes and I think all these offshore players either get regulated or go out of business, uh, the rules will apply to both the same. But mm-hmm. we are a few years away from it. So, so for us, um, you know, I've, I've ran two public companies, I took companies public. And, and Uber is for me like the best example of how the VCs stretch this as long as possible and then sell it to the public at $60 billion valuation and then the, all those poor guys lose half of their money mm-hmm. within a few weeks, right? So when I uh, came to this country, Amazon and other companies went public at $150, $200 million valuations, right? Mm-hmm. And you the, you, you, the participant, got to enjoy all the upside. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the ICO promises. It promises this crowdsourcing opportunity to come in in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to check me. You, you're a good fact checker. So t- check me if I'm wrong. But I think Ethereum created more millionaires uh, because it basically crowdsourced itself mm-hmm. from the beginning than any public company in history. Because if you look at any public company, you would see that most of the people who participated were already millionaires or billionaires. Mm-hmm. So the, the opportunity for someone who's unaccredited or, or doesn't know uh, what is what, to come in at the very early stages and ride up that wave, almost non-existent. And the SEC is doing a great job protecting people, but mm-hmm. it's also blocking the opportunity. And I think they're working on the laws, they're changing requirements for accredited and they're opening it up for small investments and so on and so on but and I also at the same time agree with the SEC that these markets the Bitcoin market are manipulated so I understand the need to protect the innocent here but but I think the ICO structure could have been used for an amazing way to almost like this Cambrian explosion I wrote a medium post on it in 2017 about the Cambrian explosion of innovation Mm-hmm. It could have been that. It's just that all the scammers and all the thieves showed up and, and, and took advantage of it, right? So, but, and when you lived, I lived through the internet boom and, and there were five companies that did great mm-hmm. out of that entire innovation, right? The, so, so if anyone is expecting more than five winners in the, on the blockchain, just does not understand how things work. And, and the SEC has to understand that too. The SEC has to be okay with the fact that only five winners are going to come out of this. So today they're saying we're only going to let the professionals do this. Only the professionals are allowed to lose money. And then we, the people, have to come and bail out the banks and all these guys mm-hmm. who take excessive risk. Uh, but, but crowdsourcing should work better. And, and we hope that Celsius is one of those examples of the five uh, horses that are going to come out of crypto because they figured out what uh, blockchain is really intended for. How is this different from peer-to-peer lending? Because the peer-to-peer lending market, similar aspirational goals in the early days. And then yes. it turned out to just be a feeder for the large investment banks anyway. Yes. Right? Yes. Once, once, once the, the, the size of the market became big enough. Um, you could imagine a similar scenario playing out with all of the lending tokens, because as soon as liquidity gets high enough, you're gonna have professional savvy money managers that can say, this looks like risk-free return. Yes. And they'll just arbitrage that away. And, and the net losers there will be the retail investors in the token that are maybe buying it when it's too expensive versus what the traditional lenders know they can get on, a, on another non-crypto marketplace. Um, do you do you address that at all? Right? Yeah, um, no, I have or, a great or, answer. Or, or, or kind of what what is what is the path to 
truly making this a peer-to-peer -peer system versus one where the liquidity pools just end up going to the same aggregators as soon as you're big enough anyway. So if you look at my career, I actually built several marketplaces. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, uh, so I understand that better than most people. Uh, Lending Club is a perfect example of a marketplace that supposedly matches borrowers and lenders and started as peer-to-peer. -peer, and then all it ended up being is hedge funds lending to retail because they're in the middle, they could care less what happens to the loan a second after they, they met you up. Celsius is not that. Mm -hmm. We're not a neutral B2B or C2C marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, we always represent the interest of the depositor. We never represent the interest of the hedge funds or the exchange that we lend to. Mm -hmm. So in that environment, right, it's the opposite of lending club, right? It's the opposite. We, we aggregate retail. Mm -hmm. And we extract tolls from the pros. So we extract tolls from the hedge funds and give it back to the retail guys, right? The opposite of lending club. Mm -hmm. and, and in this market, it's possible. So you say, okay, well, how does it scale? What happens if, uh, you have, if you're managing 10 billion or 100 billion and so on? And, and our model, the model of representing the depositor applies to all asset classes. We just happen to start in crypto, but it doesn't mean that we will not tomorrow manage assets on your behalf in 10 other categories. So the innovation, the piece that has never been done in 700 years of banking mm -hmm. or Wall Street's history or in the entire United States of America is to always act in the best interest of the depositor. Now we have fiduciaries, we have people who manage your money, who's supposed to represent your interest, blah, 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 but they're all fee toll collectors. Right, mm -hmm. Celsius has never charged a single fee to a single customer in its history. No one else can say that. So, so we are saying that so is just, just to be that clear, is a business model. Mm -hmm. So, just to be clear, one hundred percent of the value at Celsius will have to be realized through your stake in the token network. No, one hundred percent of what Celsius collects has to be alpha or yield or anything generated first. Meaning. If you gave me an asset and I cannot generate anything, I will never charge you anything in fees or in any other form of compensation, mm -hmm. right? So, so I'm always acting in your best interest. I don't have any conflict. I'm never looking for a fee. I'm never looking to extract something from you. We don't charge deposit fees, withdrawal fees, termination fees, nothing. Mm -hmm. No fees whatsoever, right? There isn't a single fee in our, in our engine, right? So everything we create right has to come from us generating alpha which is our business our business is to issue loans or or rehypothecate create interest income mm -hmm. we're not trying to earn 18 percent. we're trying to earn three to seven or eight percent right single digits mm -hmm. right low risk high volume always in the best interest of the depositor and we keep 20 percent of it so we give 80 percent to the community and we keep 20 percent. the 20 percent needs to be enough for us to sustain ourselves and we hope to be profitable in March, right? So in March, 2020. Uh, well, that's that's a phenomenal milestone for a team. A very young six, company. Six, 65 uh, in, in size. It kind of speaks to the, the staggering growth in the, in the uh, crypto lending market in, in general. Um, so let's, let's pull on that a little bit because uh, you look around at some of the early stage 
lending platforms, whether they're uh, centralized um, but have a retail focus or whether they're fully you know, decentralized, don't have to go into the differences between Celsius and Nexo, maybe yep. we can. But there are a few other alternatives that are, are you know, kind of cut from a similar cloth. If you look at some of the incentives that other lenders are using to entice early adopters, um, you can get really wacky dynamics with the net interest, the implied net interest margin for for for, for the platforms, right? Where you're essentially paying more out in they rewards. They all pay more than they earn, and and, and so it's it's not sustainable, right? Yes. Um, but it's it's a good way to to blow through venture capital. If you're, it's Uber if you're, all if over you're, again. If, if, if you're a cynic, it's WeWork all over if again. If you're, if you're uh, kind of the the person that's actually pushing that model forward, then you might say, "Well, this is land grab. We need to own the customer relationship, build some trust, educate them on how this crypto lending thing works, and then ultimately we'll be able to upsell them. And if you know we go through another super cycle, this is going to be drops in the bucket anyway. So we'll have a very you know high lifetime value. So you can see kind of both sides there." Um, but what is what has been the ultimate impact for your business in terms of maintaining a, a healthy net interest margin when you know the competitors that you're you're up against um, these rates are kind of widely available for all to see. You know, you've got services like LoanScan now that aggregate all this information. You now you now have um, applications that are trying to build the wealth front or you know betterments where you're automatically. Um, you know, reallocating across services based on where the, the optimal spreads are. Um, that's either here in beta or, or it's coming very, very soon. So you'd imagine that those spreads get tight, tighter over time. And then you throw all the venture capital money into the mix. And then you throw the, the prospect of, of being able to dangle the token um, as an incentive. And, and pretty quickly, the, the returns could hypothetically skew negative. Um, so in a in a market that's lost its mind, how do you maintain profitability in 2020 if, if you are indeed going to hit it in March? Yes, I'm, gi- I'm giving you a long answer here. Uh, the, I found a company called Groundlink that provide on-demand transportation. We were the first app in on every phone, including BlackBerry, iPhone, uh, Android. And Uber basically undercut us by providing uh, Yappies $14 billion worth of discounts, right? To, to, so they could make their way all the way to a public company and mm-hmm. we, we withered away. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think the crypto community is a little different because people, are, people who use ground transportation could care less if you're mm-hmm. Groundlink or, mm-hmm. or Uber. But the crypto community actually has, most of the people who, use, who hold coins believe in the better world, believe in changing things, believe in doing the right things, believing in uh, doing good first and doing well after. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I make a very bold point of asking people to make a decision. Just like I, ask, I say bad things about banks every day, right? I'm basically saying to people, look, you, when you make a deposit, when you use a credit card, you're enabling the thieves that steal from you every day. The people that that charge you fees, that give themselves giant bonuses and everything else. You're the enabler. You have to decide. Do you enable that or do you want to give it to people who really act in your best interest? And it's the same thing is true with us against BlockFi, for example. BlockFi has 16 investors. All of them are billionaires or multi-billionaires. Susquehanna family is worth, I don't know, 20 billion or something. Peter Thiel invested in Facebook, uh, Galaxy, and so on, so on. 
So this is David against uh, Goliath, right? I mean, who are you going to give your money to? And you have to choose. You have to decide. Are you going to enable the long-term sustainability of people acting in your best interest? Or you're just going to enable a company that maybe gives you a candy today, but tomorrow is going to turn to be exactly like all the financial institutions that are stealing from you every day. When, when companies like uh, Wells Fargo create 3 million fake bank accounts so they could steal even more from you and take those dividends and pay them to Warren Buffett, who's the largest shareholder, the world has gone upside down. You understand? And no one goes to jail for any of those things. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we end up. And the whole promise of the blockchain, the whole promise of cryptocurrencies was to end all of that, to create a new utopia in which we are in charge, we the people. So if you're giving your coins to BlockFi, you are enabling exactly what we already have. Taking billionaires and enabling them to do the same thing to us all over again. Well, strong words. Uh, I'll, I'll. You can uh, fact check me uh, on anything I just look, said. Look, I, I don't. I don't think uh, there's any fact check required because it's 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 all your opinions and and yes. and, and uh, the machine will always have very strong opinions as, as uh, you remind us early on. Um, I guess the 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 one maybe bit of nuance here uh, that I, I wonder if if you agree with or disagree with. Maybe you have an, an inherent, inherent difference of opinion. Um, I look at crypto protocols as essentially creating these new assets. But whether a given system is more efficient on a centralized basis or decentralized basis, it doesn't really matter for the end user, right? Bitcoin has worked because it was a 10x improvement over gold to some younger libertarian, more more internet native, you know, cypherpunks. Ethereum was a 10x improvement to speculators that wanted access to these new projects because um, it was the reserve currency for ICOs. When it comes to lending, you're talking about basis point or or low points of of interest that are are really just optimizations versus 10x improvements either direction. So if you're making a decision to go with BlockFi or Nexo or, or Celsius or another centralized platform, if you're in if you're in crypto for yield, Given the volatility of, of, of these assets, um, you're you're probably someone that's that's trying to optimize or or kind of move money around to wherever is going to pay the highest dividend. Because you as a user don't care if the VCs are funding all of your you know ultimate gains or 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 if it's you know ultimately going to get all distributed evenly. Because the thesis has to be that there will always be a competitor that will ultimately. Um, Provide a, a market clearing price for for you know these types of products, and you're going to you know continue to go with whoever's best, even if you have to sh- switch a little bit further down the line once the VC money runs out from from the, the platforms that you think are are um, maybe uh, basically just burning investor capital to to make ends meet. Um, so I I wonder if that resonates with you, or if you feel that the the general pull to create something that is truly um, captured and then reallocated on the blockchain, if that's a compelling enough narrative, a, a compelling enough kind of philosophical um, belief that, that your customers have or, or, or that you think crypto users have, where it will move the needle sustainably and, and kind of for the long term, um, not just during this medium term user acquisition period where, where you know everybody's got their knives out because it's a very fixed pool today and we haven't seen the, the latest super cycle just yet. 
Yeah, so look, on a transactional view, like if you just look at the transactional view, you're right. Okay, well, that's what we're doing today and so on. But the, the fight is not really over who pays interest and are you paying it through AWS or are you paying it through Ethereum. Mm-hmm. The, the fight is over will we have uh, the currency of the internet or mm-hmm. will we... Look, basically, there's three horses right now. And I was, I was you know, I was just on... Uh, uh, you know, I think it was Bloomberg, and then same thing on the Nasdaq channels, like saying the same thing. So the, the the there are three horses running here, right? One is the decentralized blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on, so on, so on. The second one are the corporate versions, right? Libra, JP Morgan, and so on, so on. And the third one are the central banks who kind of saying, no, we we're gonna play the same game all over again. Just this time, it's gonna be a digital currency, mm-hmm. right? And, and the, again, the user has to decide, who am I empowering? The user has to decide, do I want decentralization mm-hmm. or do I want Facebook to own 60% of the internet and have the same thing happen to the money of the internet? Uh, or am I voting with my wallet to empower the creation of something that is decentralized, right? And that's what's not happening today, right? Most people don't understand that. No one is giving them this choice and saying, hey, here are three options. Mm-hmm. One is... And number two and number three are really bad for you. You might get cancer, you might die. And number one is actually very healthy. Which one will you choose? Mm-hmm. And so, so the issue for Celsius is that we are saying interest income is the catalyst for the decentralized money of the internet. Mm-hmm. It's the catalyst. It's what brings you to it. It's how we bring 7 billion people to this platform. It's the only way to do that, in my view. You try to do all these other things, you're never going to get there. So, so Celsius put all the pieces together, incentives in the form of sell token and in the form of utilities and in the form of the highest yield to convince you that you should eat the salad and not beef every day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, though some people in crypto might disagree with that, too, because there's a lot I of cr- there, there, there's a lot of yes, carnivory. The- but uh, but uh, you uh, so far have delivered on this uh, nine million to date. Uh, in interest paid, paid, interest, interest paid, four hundred fifty million mm-hmm. in uh, assets that we received from our mm-hmm. users, over seventy thousand users from one hundred and seventy four countries, I think. Um, and again, our mission is not done. We're mm-hmm. we're we're just getting started, right? So so we we and as I said, you you prompted me on that 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 every one of our competitors subsidizes their rates, not mm-hmm. because. They're trying to keep up with us. They're, they're offering rates that are completely unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Some of them are doing it as teaser rates. You've seen Binance and, mm-hmm. and a few other people, uh, uh, Bit something, whatever, exchanges that basically say, hey, the first 200 people are going to get 8% mm-hmm. or whatever. Some of them do it as a way to acquire new customers like mm-hmm. uh, Crypto.com and, and others. But again, these, none of these things help the community, right? It's like if you have to go and switch your coins from everywhere to everywhere every day because this guy's running a promotion or this guy running a promotion, that is not how you build your retirement or you put your kids through college. That's what we're trying to do. So so we are big believers in DeFi. We're big believers in in a, a service that always is fully automated and is always acting in your best interest. And sometimes we're not paying the highest yield. But what we do promise is that if you want to know what is the rate, the wholesale rate, take mm-hmm. our published rate at 20%, that is where the market is. You mm-hmm. can use it for your index with a 99% accuracy. You cannot do that with any other provider because the rate they publish has nothing to do 
yep. with the real rate of lending Bitcoin or Ethereum or, or Litecoin or anything like that? Um, I, I believe you. Uh, so I, I was asking that question about the, the fees and the user base um, as kind of a lead into the next topic, though. Um, we can move, move away from your competitors and, and, and don't have to spend the full, full time here uh, focused on that. I'm very interested how you're thinking about uh, the ETH2 transition and the general infrastructure that you're building on. So, so one, um, does, it, does it really matter? whether it's ETH1, whether it's ETH2, whether you ultimately migrate to another uh, blockchain that might be you know, more custom fit for, for servicing contracts like you have. Um, and, and what, if any, new counterparty risk is created by having a fully on-chain service lending product that might not be a risk that you have for, for the cent centralized or quasi-centralized platforms? So, so first, we don't choose winners and losers. So we, I think, have 14 blockchains today, 25 different assets. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, some of them are ERC-20 and so on, so they don't have their own blockchain. Uh, but, but our job is not to say, oh, everybody, let's uh, bet on ETH 2.0 or, or, you know, or this or that but service. But the sell token is on ETH. It just runs ERC. on ETH because mm -hmm. we are ERC-20. Mm -hmm. So we're not... Uh, we don't have any preference. Like it's not like we're saying, oh, Binance uh, mm -hmm. uh, blockchain is bad and ETH is good. Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna let the market decide. We, we do have project we said we will not list, mm -hmm. uh, either because we cannot earn yield. So there's no point to add them to our wallet. Every asset in our wallet earns yield or because we don't believe that they are either full disclosure or they're acting, we cannot recommend it to our user base, right? Since we're acting in their best interest, if something we don't think is 100% kosher, you know, you have a big K here on the door, it's like the kosher emblem. We need to make sure that, that uh, we are 100% comfortable sleeping at night with every asset we added in. So but there's you, plenty of great projects. Mm -hmm. So we're just waiting for them to yield. So, sure. so we're about to add Algorand, right? Mm -hmm. We're about to add all these things. We just added EOS, right? These are great projects, amazing projects. Like we're cheering for all of them. The, the user has to decide his risk level. We have 11 stable coins, the lowest risk, right? That's we we thinking of those as a stepping stone for newbies who come into the industry mm -hmm. and want to learn everything about it. Don't take any volatility risk. Just earn six, seven. We're not paying seven and a half percent on on dollars, right? That are sitting in the in in a with a custodian with a with a trust company in an FDIC account, and we're paying a seven and a half percent on top of it, backed by two hundred percent crypto collateral, right? That is a beautiful product for a newbie. Beautiful, mm -hmm. right? You want to take more risk? Great. But get some Bitcoin. Now you have alpha on top of your Bitcoin, right? So don't put 100% of your portfolio in there. Put 10, 20%, get used to it, and so on. So, so for us, ETH is a great uh, platform. Uh, they, have to, they have to deliver sharding, and they have to deliver all the things that they're working on. And the community has to develop real-world applications on top of it. Oh, none of that has happened yet. So we designed our service to not need any of those things. We mm -hmm. pay interest once a week. We're not creating, unlike all these other crazy projects that bring down the whole blockchain, we can have a billion users tomorrow and we will not overload Ethereum. We will not overload the Bitcoin chain with what we do. So we designed everything to have the least amount of impact, but deliver the utility to, to a billion users mm -hmm. without any problem. So 
And, and my ask to the community is think that way. Don't, don't try to break the blockchain. Try to come up with real value for real people, solve the problem, do good, do well, and give the blockchain time to scale. What are, what are some of the things that your team has identified as red flags? Um, so you, you mentioned for the most part, you're, you're servicing stable coins. There's a handful of crypto assets that are liquid enough to actually and service. Staking. We have staking coins as well. And, and, and some staking coins. Um, how, uh, wh- where do you even start with the diligence process? Is it all in-house? Are you We're relying, relying on, on you. you? You're supposed to tell us who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. Well, Come if, on. You're, if you're relying on us, that's you're, great. You're, you're the uh, oracle. Yeah, so. we, 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 don't, we don't have, I don't think we have a, a, a commercial relationship yet, but we're, we're happy we're to talk about it. it. We're, we're working on it. We're happy to talk about Our that Our people offline. are talking. Yes. Um, we, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's one thing that, that we're working on, but it's not a loaded question. It, it really is, you know, are, are there external sources or external things like, um, for instance, the Crypto Ratings Council uh, ratings for the security-like attributes of a given token? Yes. Yeah. Or um, taking a look at other U.S. regulated exchanges to see what assets they support. Like, what, what goes in? to so, understanding yeah. which assets you'll support uh, 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 beyond just having liquidity. Because there's yeah. some really of course, questionable yeah. tokens that have a lot of liquidity right. and there's some really good tokens that have none. So, um, so, so number one for us is, is can we generate yield? That's the mm-hmm. most important thing. If we can do that, then everything else doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because we're not, you don't need us to hold a token. You can use exchanges, you can use wallets, plenty of other solutions. The only reason you're coming to Celsius is because you're saying, you promised me yield on this asset, mm-hmm. right? So, so for us, can we generate yield is a very important question. Sustainable yield. Sometimes you can generate yield for a week, but nothing afterwards. Mm-hmm. And usually yield means uh, the asset is yielding itself because it's stake, you have a, it, it allows you to stake it or so on. Or there's demand to borrow it, right? Or we can lend against it. So these are the kind of like the decisions that are the basic decisions. And our community tells us every day. I mean, we have tens of thousands of people on different channels and and they all kind of cheer for this or that project. So we obviously also listening to the community, but after like something says like Algorand, you know, we, we looked at it, amazing team, they took their time. Then we look at maturity of the project, right? So obviously Bitcoin, Ethereum have been around for a while. They've proven mm-hmm. themselves. They weren't hacked. They scaled. Uh, so these are very important elements. We don't want to be, again, endangering uh, um, our asset, the assets of our users by enabling them to park value in things that are not mature enough. So for us, we're not in a hurry. We already have 25 assets. It's not like, oh, my God, we have nothing to sell. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so I think the whole industry has too many blockchains. I don't believe we need 220. Or I don't know how many we have. Mm-hmm. So, so I think... There's going to be 10 or 15 survivors, you know, and and I've said that publicly several times. I don't believe that the killer blockchain, the winning blockchain has been invented yet Mm -hmm. because we have not found the balance between decentralization, right? Having just the right ledger, open ledger, right? And, and, you know, the three trifectas of of Vitalik's uh, equation. So... So I think that what we need, what we need here is maturity and we need to see who can scale 
and we let the market decide uh, which one are the good guys and which one are the bad guys. There was uh, one more thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and it's just extending the reach of your services. And, and more generally speaking, how do you grow the crypto community? Um, lending and, and the introduction of yield would seem to attract some new audiences. Um, but at the same time, most of the crypto lending market, it seems, is very insular, right? You, and that makes sense because you had no lending instruments and now you're offering this to folks that don't necessarily want to sell their coins and have a taxable event. They might want to draw against that. Um, you might want to incorporate some, some, some type of hedging. So there's natural market demand that has to kind of get back into equilibrium since for the longest time there was no concept of, of lending markets in, in, in crypto and for a lot of the early adopters. Um, looking forward, though, do you think you need the on-ramps to be the exchanges, the speculators' um, tools on an ongoing basis, and then those folks will trickle in to lending? Uh, or do you think that the lending markets that you're building and, and that others are building can attract a new audience? Um, and, and, you know, I think it'd be curious to know, A, what you're doing right now in terms of new audience versus kind of existing crypto users, and then, uh, and then project that out and, and, and let's kind of gain this out a couple steps further, because I think the entire industry and all of the entrepreneurs and, and all the investors, you, everybody's looking for a catalyst, right? A headline rate where you're going to earn six or 7%, versus 0% in your bank account. That seems like it could be a catalyst, but for some reason, there's still a disconnect. Um, maybe it's on marketing, maybe it's on uh, just distribution partners. How do you diagnose that and, and, and how, does, how does that get resolved or, or uh, improved over the course of the next couple of years? Great question, and, and uh, I'll break it into two parts. So first, on the UX side, we as an industry have not solved it. Like if you think about the Netscape moment and the Netscape browser or the mobile browser, right? And you think of those as just inflection points that brought hundreds of millions, if not billions of people to the internet, we have not had that moment yet. We, no one has figured out how to make it so easy for you. Like if you wanna, let's take stablecoin, right? Mm -hmm. You want a stablecoin, you read about Celsius, you got really excited, Okay, now find the labyrinth, the labyrinth of how to do it. Well, you have to have an account on Coinbase. You have to send the money. Afterwards, you have to buy some stable coins on Coinbase. You have to send it to Celsius. Then with Celsius, you start earning interest. You earn interest, great. You need dollars back. You have to do the reverse of everything we just talked about. So it's like eight or nine steps mm -hmm. to earn interest on your money. And you have to open accounts everywhere for all of that. So the friction is extremely high, right, compared to just, okay, I, I deposited in a CD with the bank or I, or I, or I, I did something else. So, so we have to collapse all of that into a one transaction. But, but in, from a community standpoint, I, I have this analogy of the four-man relay race, right? Mm -hmm. Where the first guys, you know, 2008 to 2011 were the anarchists. We collected all the anarchists we could. Maybe a million, a million and a half of them, just not enough of us. I had to hand off the baton. To the second runner, there were the, the um, libertarians, right? The, we got two or three million libertarians. They, they couldn't finish the race. They had to hand off the baton to the, the speculators. That was our like, last run through mm -hmm. 2017 and 18. 
And all those people together thought that the guys are going to bail us out. The guys are going to get us to new highs are going to be the institutions. Mm-hmm. The fourth runner. We're going to finish the race, get Bitcoin to 100,000. There is no logic in that. None of the institutions who, who have a license to print money, who can do fractional reserve, who earn interest from like crazy things like charging the poorest Americans $34 billion in overdraft fees every year. You know, these people mm-hmm. don't want Bitcoin. They don't want the blockchain. They don't want anything. They, they want it to fail every day. They just need an insurance in case it, something happens there. They want to have one toe in it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the only reason they're participating. So the only people who are going to finish this race, who are going to scale this, are a hundred million or a billion more people just like me and you, mm-hmm. who believe that this is the future, that this is acting in our own best interest, that this is, again, that first choice out of the three choices we talked about. So, so the issue is we, we are hoping for something that is just not going to happen. The only way we scale this is if me and you bring... 10 more, 20 more, 30 more people, newbies into this industry and give them something that they actually need. And that's what most of us are not busy with. We're all busy trading with each other. We're all busy talking to each other. We, it's the same community. It's the same old people. I go to conferences and it's the same old. Everybody knows me and I'm very disappointed in that. The rotating circus. Yes. So, so let's, we all fail. We all failed mm-hmm. as a community to convince the masses to come and join us. I just looked at a stat, the number of active wallets on Bitcoin, 645,000 active wallets. I mean, that's horrible. You know, so, so where, wh- what are we celebrating? Yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I go both ways on this. I, I agree with you. I, because I've lived through these cycles and and kind of experience them, you know, very viscerally uh, versus just kind of reading about them, which I, I, I feel like nobody ever really properly appreciates when they first get into the industry They say, oh, well, you know, I until you've lived through an 85 percent correction yes. in your portfolio, you can't you can't really, you know, talk about this with 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 any degree of authority. But um, I do think that people are ahead of themselves on the institutional front. That said, the pickup will likely be next at hedge funds and family offices, right? So we're not going to go straight to the big banks because that is probably the next pass of the baton. Maybe, right? If there is an external catalyst, then, then it would be something like that. Um, or it has to be a killer app like Net, uh, Netscape. It, it, you have to have one of the two uh, emerge or we are just going to be stuck in this, you know, uh, th- these doldrums and, and ultimately interest computer out there. And then you, you can actually start to see maybe a long-term you know, bear market for, for uh, this industry. On Bitcoin in particular, I wonder how much of the lack of, of wallet uptake is just due to the fact that the narrative has changed slightly and Bitcoin is no longer about transactions. Um, it's about the digital gold thesis, right? So you need, you need more people to basically become gold bugs in order to, to get them onboarded. And they're going to get onboarded, not through a lending platform, but probably through um, a service like Coinbase. So the, the market that I think becomes really interesting for lending platforms and, and kind of the Trojan horse into the wider world of yes, digital gold, yes, smart contract platforms, and, and all the other kind of DeFi applications might be through stablecoin traded lending products that can just get a fraction of interest from people that are sick of not having any yield and feel like there is finally a somewhat safe alternative to put what they would otherwise put in a CD. 
that to me, you know, makes makes sense from a narrative standpoint, and and with enough marketing dollars, if you can abstract away the experience and, and pe- sell people on the philosophy, you you could you could certainly see it taking off. Um, but I don't want to give myself the last word. I want to hear about your outlook for you know lending this year. If you have you know any outlandish predictions, uh, good, bad, or or, or indifferent, uh, you're you're right at the heart of this market. What um, what should people be most uh, closely tracking? As we uh, as we go into the new year, so look, Bitcoin is still the big daddy. I think it leads uh, uh, everything. So mm-hmm. tracking it, it tells you what's going to happen. I think the happening is is a huge event. Most people, I think, are underestimating that as a as a catalyst. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have more users, uh, either because there is a catastrophic event or some major event in the financial world where all the assets are at all-time highs, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to have pressure there. Uh, uh, that would drive Bitcoin higher. That would drive many people to look for, okay, what is the doomsday insurance? Okay, there's only one digital. I got to put a few, few eggs in that basket. So I think that Bitcoin ends the year with uh, a new high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I estimated $30,000, but it's going to be somewhere between twenty and $30,000. Um, and it only happens if we have more users and we have the happening, you know, basically cutting supply by half. So, so, and that should drive the rest of the industry as well with it, right? So many more users, good for us, good for everybody else. That is kind of my outlook for 2020. But that's not enough to to get to mass adoption. For mass adoption, we need to fix UX issue. We need to provide more utility, less volatility, more utility, and and we need you know the the blockchain needs to be hidden in a layer, just like voice over IP is. When you, we mm-hmm. transact on voice over IP, you don't need to put you don't need to ask you for my TCP IP address. You need to ask me what protocol am I going to use. We just tra- you click on my name and we transact. So these are the things that we're missing, and these are going to be coming from from different innovators, mm-hmm. and the users will follow. Certainly hope so. Uh, from re- your lips, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll to the blockchain. We'll, yeah, to the to the blockchain. We'll uh, this is a non-denominational podcast, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll be on the lookout for that new all-time high. Hopefully before the end of the year. Um, Alex, thanks so much for joining us and uh, best luck with everything at Celsius Network this year. Where can people find you and, and the company online? So uh, join us on Telegram or uh, Twitter, uh, Celsius Network, uh, uh, website Celsius.network. There's also a community side that is great that's kind of auditing us on the blockchain, Celsius.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, you can email me directly, Alex at Mashinsky. I answer my own email, Alex at Mashinsky.com. And I'm happy to get feedback and uh, and any ideas of how to make uh, this even better. Well, it's easy to throw that out there because no one can spell the last name at the first Ed, try, right? So M-A- it's good <laughs> spam for Alex Ed, M-A-S-H-I-N-S-K-Y dot com. Mashinsky dot com. We'll, 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 we'll put this in the show notes as well. Uh, but Alex, it's a pleasure hosting you. Thanks for coming in. And uh, thank you to everyone that tuned in today another episode of Unqualified Opinions. Until next time, peace. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Unqualified Opinions go live weekdays at noon Eastern time. You can follow me in the meantime on Twitter at 2BitIdiot if you want to continue the conversation or troll me. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.